Hello and welcome to the Northampton Chronicles podcast. I'm Adam Scott and I'm joined today by Lyndon Dixon. Hello, how are you, Adam? I'm not, I'm not so bad myself. Uh, uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. A bit hot at the minute, but yeah. I'd rather it be too hot than too cold. Yeah. Well, recently we had the pleasure of having the company of Tony Bonsignor, the BBC's Westminster correspondent, who took time out of his very busy day to speak to the journalism students of the University of Northampton. And he started by telling us how he got involved in journalism. And I went to, I went from there to the LSE, and I think I was there at the same time as you were doing your master's. That would have, yeah. 92, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not studying, uh, not studying journalism. Uh, I got my first job in 1995. I'm so old. I'm sorry. I worked on a trade newspaper in London. Um, I managed to get a job there. Um, I don't think they exist now in the same way they did then. It was a weekly newspaper, 40,000 circulation, eight reporters, three features writers, subs. And it was specifically about? It was about um, financial services. <sighs> but I was, I did, even then, I did politics and regulation. I got to interview cabinet ministers and it was brilliant. It was a really competitive market. There was two of us. Um, there were two papers, another called Money Marketing, which you might have heard of, who went to press at the same time. We both had a team of very ambitious reporters. Lots of them are award-winning now and very senior on national newspapers. And it was super competitive to the point where the next day you came in and ripped open their paper in fear that they'd got the story, opposite number, got the story you have with us. So I was there about four years. Um, I was news editor at the end. Um, did you did you go into that because you did journalism at university or was in fact that in the days before they really did journalism courses? Did you do economics or something? I did economic history at the LSA. Oh, yeah. Brains. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure what it's qualified me for. But um, and I got my job, by the way, you know, you'll all be jobbing in at some some point. You've got to be very resourceful. I got my job on that paper, and it was very hard to get into journalism, especially at that time, because the economy was suffering. It's because I bumped into a friend on a train who I used to be in school with, who was working for a paper, and he asked me what I was doing, and I said, I'll try to get a job in journalism, and then he rang me up two weeks later and said, we've got a little bit of work experience here, do you want to come and do it? And that got me in, Financial Times magazines, then I met a couple of other people in the pub at the end of the day, and I got my first job. And that's kind of how my career started. So. Uh, I then I went into PR for six years, if anybody's interested in the world of PR. Uh, I lived in Edinburgh, um, enjoyed it. Scotland was a great place to live, got a bit bored with the corporate life, didn't like it, wanted to come back south and do some academia and do some journalism. Uh, so PR for what? Just quickly I worked for an investment company up in Scotland uh, called Aegon. Did so, you get more money in doing PR than you had a lot of journalism? I did. But not loads. But it's a constant. It was a constant. But it was a very boring life. And I miss journalism. And I miss stories. And I miss telling stories. But I'll tell you what you really do miss when you're in the corporate environment. You just miss hanging out with other journalists as well. Journalists are genuinely just fascinating, nice, interesting, quite often deeply quirky people. And it's a joy to just know them and hang out with them. We'll come on to the BBC in a second, but you know. That's one of the reasons that a lot of people stay in the BBC. It ain't the money, and it ain't always the 
corporate environment of the BBC is because she's just got such fantastic colleagues. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. Just the most creative, fun people you could work with. Which is why we end up marrying each other. There is a, oh, yes. there's a very strong <laughs> uh, um, uh, bit of data about how journalists basically end up, because no one else will listen to us boring them about her story I did today or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's a way of thinking. Kate, Kate and I, anyway. Not to each other, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, both ended up as journalists. Uh, yeah. So, how did you end up at the BBC and how at the BBC Westminster? Well, well after, after I finished that, I came back south. I did a master's degree, actually, was toyed with a career in academia. Uh, but I also did a place called Citywire, I don't know if you've ever heard of, mm -hmm. um, which is a very, now very big kind of online journalism set up by an ex uh, business editor of the mail on sunday uh, and i ended up there doing a bit of work and then that kind of ballooned and i ended up writing a daily column for them uh, and also being uh, a news editor there and that kind of exploded and uh, i ended up writing quite opinionated stuff which i like to think i knew quite a lot about during the financial crisis which got me a bit of attention and got me on the bbc and noticed everywhere and then the bbc offered me a job in 2010 which I am denied about. Yeah, uh, crossing the line over from, from well, I mean, was it print and online at that stage? I'd, I'd only ever done print. I'd only ever done print. I'd done news, news, news. Then I ended up writing kind of columns and that sort of stuff. Uh, we got a big spike in traffic. Uh, that was really interesting. At a time as well when that was only just taking off. Now it's blogs and substack and it's kind of relentless. And it wasn't then. And it was amazing to see how we were like um, targeting the search engines and how if I wrote the right column in the morning, which engaged people, you know, it would be hundreds of thousands of hits just kind of appeared. It was a really interesting experience. But yeah, uh, broadcast I knew nothing about, absolutely mm. nothing, nothing about. But they trained you. They trained me. Yeah. Yeah. As far as the BBC trained you. I mean, mainly the BBC say do it. And assume that you're clever enough and resourceful enough and angle enough to do it. And if you're not, what are you doing here? Um, but they did, yeah. So I went to work primarily for Five Live and I went on a Today programme. Uh, early doors then, having to get up early. Yeah, yeah, that no, was, yeah. Did you still live here then or did you commute or did you live in London? No, I lived in, I lived in London. I did that for about a year. Um, your first period, like a year or two in the BBC is like amazing. Because there's all these people that you know, and you're aware of, and just part of your, well, maybe not for your generation, but certainly for my generation, these are familiar names that are just part of your life, and programmes that are part of your life, and suddenly you're sitting in the Today News meeting, and they're going, Tony, what should we, what should we do at 615? What should we do at 720? And you've got a pitch. And I'm sure that's something you're doing in your courses, isn't it? Learning pitching is like one of the key <laughs> skills weeks, for any yeah. journalist. It can be one of the most terrifying things to do, but it's the skill I think will get, you know, one of those skills will get you far if you can do it well. Yeah, I thought um, it was really interesting the way when he spoke about things with, um, for example, like he says he got his first job when he bumped into a friend on a train and it was, so it was sort of word of mouth, but at the same time, he, um, yeah, he went to university, he did economic history, so, he didn't necessarily do a journalism degree or course, but he just sort of fell into the job and he stayed there. So it's quite interesting to hear 
his story and the way he got into journalism. Yep, and it and it uh, it also shows that uh, journalists come from all sorts of backgrounds. Um, you may not plan to go into journalism when you start out, but um, but yeah, you can you can always end up here, and you can end up uh, uh, loving what you do, and that actually relates to me quite a bit. Exactly, and like for example, he says he got his first job. It was a smallish operation um, about financial services. Well, compared to where he is now, he's the BBC correspondent for Westminster, and it just shows. You know, like you say, you can come into journalism from all angles, but also at all levels. Like he started off small and now he's a respected journalist in the country reporting on the most important matters and trying to spread the news in the most in the best way. Yep, exactly. For me, it was interesting when he speaks about Partygate because it's probably been the one of the biggest stories bar COVID and um, Russia versus Ukraine. Because, you know, it's lying... To this, the, the parliament lied to the public and um, from a journalist perspective for me it was very interesting to hear how he handled it himself and how his colleagues thought they'd handle it for example um, Boris you know through the several accusations at Keir Starmer saying that um, it was he was almost the reason why Savills failed to be prosecuted but it's since come out as the story being fake but as Tony says from the, his point of view do you run with that story without, you know, knowing it's a fact? Or do you spread the rumour as such? And um, it was interesting as, you know, sort of gave us a peek behind the curtain there. And, and I find, one of the things I find interesting about it is like a constant judgement, constantly judging, am I covering this right? Have we got the balance right? And I'll give you a really good example. Is the Keir Starmer, Jimmy Savile. Now, this is, you could do, I could... To a whole lecture on this. It's so fascinating. And I was involved in that debate in my team when it came out. And there were two ways of have you followed this story, right? Do you all know about this? Yeah. Okay. It's not true, right? Basically, what Boris Johnson said in the House of Commons is not true. And I can tell you that here because it's you know, every fact-checking service has, has said that. Okay, I'm not making a I'm impartial, I'm not making a political judgment. This is a fact. The question is, as a journalist, and just what you have to make is, and what, and what we were faced with is, do we ignore this? Or, for example, just go, reality check can deal with this, or fact, fact check, and then just brush it off. And then it will go away. And then it might go away. Or do we cover it? And potentially, because there's a public interest in the fact that Boris Johnson feels that he can say that in the House of Commons, but what does that say about his judgment and his political position at the moment? But at the same time, risk this story kind of you're spreading. The you're story. spreading it. You're spreading the lie in a, in a in a social media world. And did they? And it, was that the full intention from the beginning? You know, the, well, the whole, going back to the whole dead cat thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's going back to the dead cat thing. And we have that debate. And, you know, you might have to explain dead cat on the podcast, sorry. <laughs> you want to explain dead cat? Yeah, go on. Well, you, you know, um, something terrible is going on over here. I don't want you to look at me. So I throw a dead cat over there and you look at the dead cat rather than look at me. So the argument being, some would say Boris Johnson would rather we talk about Jimmy Savile than talk, than talk about the fact that you know, you have tinsel and, and, and parties. And we have had that discussion, I'd say, every day over the past 10 and days. And where do you stand on it? Do you think you should cover it? 
Well, my feeling was, yeah, because I was in a minority for a while, because to me, this said something about the judgment of the Prime Minister and his attitude towards the House of Commons and Parliament. And therefore, that should be the story. And there was a way of covering the story that didn't repeat the same thing, that didn't repeat the lies. Because the story isn't what Sir Keir Starmer did when he was director of public prosecutions. The story is that this, our prime minister thinks that in a debate about something that is engaging the public in a very damaging way for them, that in the middle of that debate, he just tossed out essentially a mistruth and to me that's the story that's the joke and also the tricky thing is if you don't report it how are you going to then make sense of former Tory cabinet ministers coming out saying this is disgraceful he's got to retract newer Mers's resignation mm. you know is a for 14 years saying this is absolutely outrageous you you know I told you to retract and you didn't if you haven't reported it and just this week we're having the argument that we've been accused of suggesting that that Bay mob outside the Houses of Parliament, that they were um, inspired by, yeah, by, by Sir Keir Starmer and Jimmy Savile because they shared with us. We didn't say that. Back to the constant battle of the truth, which is they're going, you're saying, they weren't there. They were, they were anti-vax protesters. They would have been there anyway, right? So that slight twisting of the truth because that's we never said the only reason they were there was Jimmy Savile. This makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's like that's the spider's web, isn't it? It is it's, a spider's web. It's yeah. uh, it's really tough. But I mean, what other job could give you this? You know, so it's a privilege. It's, it's utterly journalism. Get yourself a good journalist job. It is a privilege. The money's crap, right? You'll work too many hours. You'll probably lose a few relationships on the way. I certainly did. But it's just so interesting. It's just so genuinely interesting. You are paid, badly often, but paid to be nosy. And, and I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's very interesting because uh, Johnson made uh, the uh, made the statement during a session of Parliament, which you would you which you as a political correspondent would probably have to cover. Um, but yeah, it's a case of, do you do you do this? Do you uh, cover these things that you know to be false, um, or do you just ignore them? But it is a story. It is happening, um, and it's not really a good answer here because it is a statement that Johnson has made in Parliament. So there is clearly a new story there. But um, yeah, it's a case of. I don't really know what the correct answer is here. I'll be honest. Um, it's it is a, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's not it's not something that you can easily answer, but it, it's one of the these um these complex uh, quandaries you have to uh, you have to deal with when you are a um, a political correspondent. Overall, Adam, how did uh, Tony rank as some of the guests we've had on the podcast? I would say he is probably. One of the most insightful guests that, um, 100%. yeah, I mean, it's very clear that this this is someone who knows what they're talking about, who's done what we all want to do, and he's someone who loves this job, and that is very clear when uh, when he came to uh, speak to us. Exactly, like when he came in, he's done like you said, he's 
where we want to be, but he's also done so many different things. And as you said, he's so passionate about the job. It's different when someone comes in and you know that they're sort of just doing it because, you know, they're, they're settling. Whereas with Tony, he's he's pushing himself. He's constantly trying to uncover the story. And it's still at his age, being so passionate about something, it sort of gives me the confidence and hope as I try to go into the industry myself. And I agree completely. Um, a big thank you to Tony for speaking to us today. Uh, that's all from me and Lyndon. Thank you for listening and have a good day.